I always say that I want to capture the soul. How do you do that? No time for dreaming. Dreaming, dreaming. Gotta get on up, get up, and do my thing. Welcome to season six of Camille's Demi Hour. I am your host, Camille Broderick, and this is Nantucket's NPR station 89.5 WNCK. This is a half-hour show dedicated to the Epicurean world here on Nantucket and beyond. On the show, I interview guests who will share their inspiring and thoughtful perspectives and how they are leading the charge in the ever-changing landscape of food, wine, agriculture, and hospitality. I hope this show broadens your view of this great world we live in and helps you to engage with your community and support your neighbor. Cheers and welcome to the table. Welcome to Camille's Demi Hour, everybody. Today, our guest is a -a one-of-a-kind lady. She has placed herself as an icon within the art and photography world and has written three books. And in 2016, an award-winning documentary film profiled her career. She is known in fashion and art circles as one of the leading fashion photographers of our time and will be on island this weekend showing some of her work and shooting a new book. She will be at the Susan Hosteller Gallery, and the exhibit will be throughout the summer. And I'd love to welcome Ms. Rose Hartman to the show. Welcome, Ms. Rose. I'm delighted to be here, at least uh, via phone. But you will be here at your gallery opening, I believe, and we will talk about your your reason of your connection to Nantucket and what you wanted to do here. But I do want to jump right into this because there's a lot to cover about your career. You're an amazing woman, lifelong photographer in New York City and um, Mm -hmm. connecting to from socialites to writers to politicians. You've run the whole gamut in your work. I'd love to be able to talk about a lot of things today, but let's start with your work itself. Something that stands out the most when people talk about your work is its sense of intimacy and with your subjects. Your work, your work is special in the sense that you are always seeking beauty and personality in your subject. Describe what you want to see when you take a photo and what you're looking for from your subjects. Well, the one thing that I detest is this subject posing with a public face, uh, smiling in a way that is not real. I always say that I want to capture the soul. How do you do that? <laughs> it's an interesting question. I just look at the person and I try to just photograph that person at a moment when the facade drops away. It's very difficult to describe. It's just an instinct. What's interesting is when you see these photos of yours, it's like you're looking at the real person, who they uh, actually who they actually are. Because when personalities, I think you say they they have this facade, they have the shield, they have this aura, and you're trying to really penetrate that in your photos, and you see the person as if they're sitting right next to you. Yeah. Yes, oddly enough, they're not very far away, that's for sure. In other words, <laughs> I never had a long lens. I had a 35-millimeter camera, and I would get as close as possible. Well, the word... Paparazzi means something very different today than it did then. Your work is sort of more, I think someone said in your documentary, impulsive portraiture. Yes, uh, Simon Doonan said that from the creative uh, director at Barney's. 
I thought that was a wonderful description. And no, I detest the word paparazzi because I'm not hiding behind a tree. I would be invited to the event. Therefore, I would have that uh, ability to be really, I say, one-on-one. You're behind the scenes, but I mean, you were doing this decades ago, before social media, before kind of the paparazzi were there. What do you think separates your sense of um, of work versus what they're doing today in social media and oh what you my. see in the magazine? <laughs> I know, it's a loaded well, question. It's very different. Yeah, I would say, first of all, the fact that everyone just looks at each other at, or themselves to take those selfies repulse me. <laughs> Why don't we just take the word selfie along with foodie out of the dictionary? Maybe that'll those will be those will evolve uh, out of our vocabulary. Yes, I think that would be a good idea. The the obsession today with documenting, you know, the key lime pie that's eaten for dinner is just amazing to me. I can't even understand it. And I think I've taken one uh, selfie in my life. Another point you might not know is that I only take one or two pictures of the subject. I'm not taking eons of photos. And most of the images that you have seen were, again, taken with either negative film or color slides. Hmm. Now, of course, I only use a digital camera. And primarily, believe it or not, what I love most about your career personally, and which I think really will separate you in the fashion photography world, is that you're one of the first to shoot the behind the scenes of Fashion Week. You can find this work in your first book, uh, Birds of Paradise, an intimate view yes. of the New York fashion world. But what was your impulse to do that? I mean, go into the, into the scene, into the action. Well, the bottom line was that I was a former high school English teacher in New York City. This was quite a difficult profession. And each and every day, I would feel quite frustrated having to tell the students to sit down and pay attention, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I actually had a Russian boyfriend at the time. And he said, you know, you really seem distressed. What else would you like to do? And my father had always carried a camera with him, even though he was not a professional photographer. And he would photograph my family. So I always saw a camera. But it wasn't until actually this boyfriend of mine had asked me about my interests. And I said, I love, I, I would love, I should say, to photograph behind the scenes, for example, uh, a ballet class or a fashion show. And then... I just started taking workshops. I went to Sun Valley. Uh, I took a workshops in Venice. And then I learned photography like that. How old were you then? Oh, my. Hmm. About You do the arithmetic, please. <laughs> About 1976, um, I would travel very frequently. And then I would take photographs, let's say, in Sevilla, or St. Petersburg, Russia, or Paris. I always traveled in the summer when I had time off. And I really loved looking at my work. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought, my. But the bottom line that really propelled me into becoming a professional photographer was the fact that I knew someone, a an editor, the Daily News Record, which, you know, 
was equivalent to women's wear daily. Mm-hmm. And Jean Desnoyers, who ha- at that time had a boutique and restaurant, was getting married to Joan Hemingway in Sun Valley. And this was like a little movie. And the, the editor said, well, I know you're going to take a workshop. Why don't you shoot the wedding on assignment for us? Would you believe that, Camille? Wow. Those photographs are beautiful with the, the veil blowing. Thank you so much. So and beautiful. wearing a Dior gown. Oh. Now, of course, you realize she was the oldest sister of Margot. And Margot did not attend the wed- wedding because they were afraid that she would get too much attention. Oh, wow. And Marielle, the youngest sister, who was all of 14, was did attend. And Mary Hemingway, the widow of Ernest, was there, along with an incredibly beautiful crowd of people who had flown in from all over, some of them actors, etc., and I thought to myself, well, this is the way to live. You were hooked. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it after mm. working on the Lower East Side. And to add to this, it wasn't that I was only invited to photograph the wedding. I was invited to photograph the engagement party, the barbecue, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then I got the cover and it was called A Movable Feast. And I saw that with my credit. But when I saw that, I have to tell you, I I had never been as excited because it was so beautiful. And then I got paid all of $150, said, whoa, this is this is where this is the direction I would like to go. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Rose Hartman, and she is an iconic fashion photographer documenting the life of socialites in New York City from the 70s and on. She will be on Nantucket this weekend, and she is presenting at a gallery here on Center Street. So, okay, so let's move to the party scene. You've gone to many events and parties over your your career, no doubt, both both invited and uninvited. But tell <laughs> tell us one of your favorite stories, maybe one you've never shared. I know everyone probably asks for those, but tell me why they're great parties. Tell me what your favorite story is. Give the audience some juicy bits. Well, for example, Valentino was hosted a fantastic party at Studio 54. And many people did not understand that early in the evening, let's say from 9 until 11, only the guests of Valentino would be permitted inside studio, which, by the way, ran for a thousand days and then uh, closed down for various reasons like tax evasion, money hidden in the uh, ceiling of the basement. <laughs> That's okay. what makes it so famous. That's what makes it so famous. Uh, no, that I is know. Definite, no, don't say that. No, I won't. I won't. It, what made it so famous is the combination of the most extraordinary people in the world. So you might have Farrah Fawcett or you'd have Calvin Klein or Truman Capote or Diane von Furstenberg. Anyway, back to Valentino's party they would be invited and we would all be behind a curtain that separated the private event from the rest of the club, which had been a CBS sound studio initially. Mm -hmm. The The music was extraordinary. As you walked into studio, you heard the sound 
And it's very hard to explain that to you or anyone else who had not heard it. But it would go through your body. It would be that intense. Hmm. So even before you got into the actual party, you would be psyched. You would just have a different feeling. You would be energized. Hmm. And that night, I have never seen more spectacularly dressed guests. And why? Bellini had provided the costume from the, his film Clowns. And so everyone, including Valentino, he was dressed as a, uh, the circus master. Circus master, yeah. You had to see the, these people to believe it. And everyone drank champagne and everyone was in a fantastic mood. And I was there. And I was definitely always invited. Because I had met Steve Rubel, the co-owner, they said, that, you know, the face of studio, who really made everything happen. And, you know, Ian Schrager was his partner, mm -hmm. who created some of these special events. But he never wanted to be, so to speak, out there. He wanted to do his work and then leave. So they were very disparate personalities. So that's what's incredible, because Studio 54 just has this allure, this its own persona, like it's really one of the greatest clubs in history. Oh, no, the, the greatest, I would tell you, and, and, all over the world. And I, I, en I envision everything was free-flowing, like there was no exchange. It was more, it wasn't a, you know, like a commerce type of situation with a bar. And so I feel like it was always a party, right? And you said in the film that there's always a theme. So there was just lots of investment in the experience, right? Is that what made it so special? I oh, mean, the yes, fantasy, because... the costumes, oh, the... exactly. And also keep in mind that, for example, Valentino only had a party one evening. It wasn't as if I could say to you, Camille, go to studio tomorrow and you will experience the same event. No, it changed all the time. They must have been working around the clock to change oh, the totally. interiors. Totally. Oh, totally. One of your most iconic photos was at Studio 54, and that's Bianca Jagger on her white horse. And what I found fascinating was there were a lot of other people who took that photo or similar photos at that moment. But yours was the one that really stuck out, and it is quite beautiful. The horse is prominent in the photo in the context, Very. but then but then she still stands out in the way her pose is and the way she's looking. And one other thing about your work is – and this is mentioned in – the documentary too is how you isolate your subjects too it's you remove everything around them so it's like the carolina yes. herrera photo yes. hailing the, t yes. the cab the energy of the of the city you almost don't feel but you just see her 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 elegance emerge from that energy it's really incredible how it's you zone in you really zone in I also would always be dancing that was another point so I would hide my cameras in a gigantic speaker, but I would dance very close to the speaker <laughs> with a wonderful uh, male partner of mine. I didn't just walk around photographing. I, it, it would have been horrible. Anyway, I grabbed the camera very quickly and boom, took the photo. And then they took the horse away. And I was thinking later that they must have given a lot of Valium to the horse because <laughs> the horse was quite calm. You see his ears are raised and someone said that is the best way that you can photograph a horse. I, I was not aware of that oh, piece of information. And then in the final analysis, the photo has appeared all over the world. Anytime 
there's an article about studio there is that photo. If you're just listening, we are speaking with Rose Hartman, the famous fashion photographer from New York. She is uh, on Nantucket this weekend, and her exhibit is going to be at a gallery in town on Center Street at Susan Hosteller. One thing I'd love to, to ask is that in your overall career, one could say that y- you actually helped document American fashion evolution, in a sense, with the mm. Halston era, Perry Ellis, when everyone thought that Paris was sort of the center of fashion at that time, and we, yes. we were kind of evolving. Who do you think is capturing the essence of fashion now, be it a photographer or a blogger, or uh, who do you follow, or what, what are your sources of inspiration mm. at this point? Well, I just love to look at the photos in a magazine like W. I think there are incredible photographers who are shooting fashion. And even someone like Ellen von Unsworth, because I love her. I loved in the past Slim Ahrens, who photographed uh, Palm Beach and will say the high life. Arthur Elgort, so, so many. I would say also, People who don't get that much credit are always the stylists. Mm -hmm. So did you have actually a favorite era of of fashion? I mean, those are your favorite inspirations, photographers. Oh, yes, yes. What was sort of your favorite era? In the 90s, in the 90s, people like Isaac Misrahi or Todd Oldham would create these fashion shows that were just mind-boggling. And as you know, this was the era of the supermodel, and I'm sure you know the comment that Linda Evangelista made, I don't get up for less than $10,000 a day. Oh, yeah. But Karl Lagerfeld is gone, and you have Galliano as major, major, major genius. And what about Alexander McQueen? I believe it or not, I actually did photograph two of his shows. One was in a deconsecrated synagogue on the Lower East Side. It was a snowy night. And I remember leaving after being mesmerized and trying to get out of there because another point of my career would be that I'd have to bring the slides to the lab, which could be at midnight, drop them off in a slot, And then the next morning, return to my agency, and I would then go over the images to ID them. So I could not see my work as I could see now within five seconds. So that's a huge change. It's it's interesting because this show is mostly about the Epicurean world, but however... I think your exposure to parties and the scene and what you've learned about how to throw a great party with people uh-huh. and, and music and, and glamour yes. and fashion. Yes. And, I mean, I think people make a party, number one, and then the music and of all the accoutrements. <laughs> but- yes, <laughs> I will agree. And of course, I did go to many parties where there was fantastic food and wine. I would never minimize the that as an important element, but only an element, because I also have attended many galas, but um, the the excitement really was not apparent. So certainly, as you mentioned, the combination of incredible people, and yes, wonderful champagne. 
Ahoy, champagne. Yes. I, I worked in fashion for two years. I opened the uh, L'Envin Boutique on Madison Avenue. and uh, Wonderful. I did my fashion stint in between all my hospitality and food and wine. I was trying to bring hospitality to the fashion world, which was sort of my, which was uh. my goal. Um, but it was a little bit of a hot, intense energy in the fashion world that I learned about. But one thing that I will always take away from fashion is the creativity level of producing collections and shows yearly over and over and over and over again is quite remarkable. And the quality of some of these haute couture designers, the quality of the work is exceptional. And some of the best tailors and jewelers and true artisans in in the world. So lastly, as um, as sweet as you are, uh, you, you have a reputation for some, for a bit of uh, being a little bit abrasive in some ways, probably to just get what you need. I, I will say that to achieve what you achieve. You are a true New Yorker, having been born and raised there, um, and your parents were New Yorkers as well. Yes, um, they so were. you've survived the highs and lows of, you know, one of the greatest cities in the world and independently on your own um, and as an artist and a woman. So I would love to ask your advice to young artists uh. today because to to survive in a big city solely as an artist, I think, is is, is a lifelong challenge. Actually, I was just a guest lecturer on Sotheby's, the Sotheby's Institute. And uh, this is my one sentence. Always choose a passion and photograph that passion, no matter what it is. I recently have been photographing the greatest windows in New York and then in Paris. Being um, a, a bit abrasive, I like to say that's way in the past. Well, Rose, it's been a delight talking to you and listening to these stories that are legendary and to um, learn more about your work and see your work. And I would like to add something. I am hoping to do a, a photo project in Nantucket, a place I have not visited for probably 25 years. And the title, the working title is Nantucket dot dot. Style by the Sea. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Style by the sea. And I'm hoping that uh, you or anyone else li listening actually might visit the Hasella Gallery on Center Street and volunteer to be one of the participants because I will be staying in Nantucket until August 9th. If you're a woman or a man with a sense of style, Oh, but at the end, you'll be the judge of that. Exactly. And <laughs> well, I, I will say I am a bit critical. Well, Rose. Which is, which is why I invited you to participate. We haven't even met in person. She's, uh, she's... No, but I have. <laughs> I have been able to use the computer to do a little research. <laughs> and therefore, I absolutely know. You are at the top of my list. Well, I'm I'm blushing. I'm turning. I, I feel myself I turning red. I hope you are good. <laughs> well, thank good. you, Rose, a, and I you're wish more you than welcome. I wish you a beautiful, beautiful stay. I hope you're inspired and see beauty here. Thank you for your contribution to the art world and for sharing your stories oh, today. Oh my God, you're welcome. We will see you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for interviewing me. I really enjoyed it, and uh. I'm so looking forward to my solo show of 20 images. Bye. Thank you all for listening. This is Camille's Demi Hour. Tune in every weekend on Saturdays and Sundays at 1130 a.m. on 89.5 WNCK.
If you would like to hear this full episode or past shows, you can find me on iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.